welcome to the Life on Shuffle podcast, a collection of stories about people who have taken chances, embraced the unexpected, and discovered their true passion. Today, we are featuring Dr. Scott Kahayan, a business owner from Granite Falls. Also in the room today, we have Alex, Luke, Jacob, Maggie, and Mr. Cooper. Dr. K is currently a business owner and teaches several business classes at the Cabo Community College and Technical Institute. Dr. K grew up in Santa Maria, California. He received an associate's degree from Allen Hancock in Santa Maria. He got his bachelor's degree at California State University, Chico. He earned his MP- MBA at Pepperdine University, Malibu, California. He got his doctorate at Nova Southeastern University in Florida. Dr. K has been employed in many businesses, yet owned many businesses as well, including the following. Curb painting, buy and sell businesses, financial planning, real estate development, flipping rentals, two self-storage facilities, Cold Stone Creamery, and now he works at the Caldwell Community College. Welcome to the show, Dr. Scott Kahan. Thank you. So, Mr. K- uh, Dr. K, when you were 10, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was young, I um, started investing at age 10. My grandfather was somewhat of a genius in investments and so I, um, my first investment was with Superior Marketing Research. It was a penny stock, and my grandfather suggested I stay away from those. And I put about a thousand bucks into it, and it uh, turned into a ten dollar stock. And I thought it was going to go up to forty or fifty and, and dollars a share. My grandfather was begging me to sell because I would have made a horrendously large amount of money and um, I said no it's going to go up and about two months later I learned that they stole the technology and it went down to point zero 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 three cents I own 10 million shares today and it's worth zero so originally I wanted to be an investor uh, but as I grew up I learned that I just loved business so I started um, a curb painting business. I had about 20 kids um, in junior high working for me and I enjoyed the process of putting together a business and managing it and having to do all of the financials and so I knew you know from that point forward I wanted to do something in business and I didn't know exactly what it was going to be and I started a um, a um, buy and sell business that I call a junk business and it actually turned out to be a very profitable business that I kept until 1996 and um, the largest sale I made was I, I bought a hundred thousand snowsuits from the US military and sold it to a um, an approved military overseas and made a, a dollar profit per suit so made a hundred thousand dollars and and um, I took that money and I started investing into real estate and that kind of brought me to where I'm at today we my wife and I we started a real estate development company and and where we would buy raw land and develop it and then we would also flip homes which was a lot of fun and um, uh, started buying rentals. So um, that kind of started our, our largest business that, that we had over the years. So when you were doing the curb painting business, how old were you when you were managing these kids? 
I was um, I started it at age 12 and I started um, doing it myself and then I learned there was way too much demand for one person and so I got my best friend to start with me and and then we um, started hiring new people and so by f about 13 we had 20 kids working for us you know I can kind of relate to that you know me and Jacob we tried to do landscaping we tried to do mowing together um, you know we were mowing for these ladies houses and whatnot and we made some money off of it but our plan we were thinking we we're gonna go big in it but we never really got to that point where you are it's like today where you like you could take that and you know move on to a different company but we never got there but we did enjoy it um dr k so do you think where you grew up since you grew up in california do you think that um the location helped your business thrive it did it was I will tell you the business in California that we've had uh, is 10 times easier than, than here in North Carolina. Just to give you an example, North Carolina has about 7 million people in the entire state, or in uh, roughly, and um, where we lived, there was about 12 million in one county. So um, it, there was almost an, un, an, uh, an endless amount of demand and so it does make it easier to start a business. So now leading up to your um, curb painting business, how would you say that living in California, like, would you say that you liked living in California as a kid, growing up there, growing up around all those people, like your friends, how would you describe that? I um, I loved it. I, I grew up in an area, we were outside the main um, hub of the people. Um, so I kind of enjoy the country a little bit more. Um, but we were close enough into the city where you, any restaurant you wanted, you can find that type of food. And the, the main difference is in California, there's so many businesses, you tend to get the best of each type. You get a lot of bad ones too, but you can usually find the best of each type. And, and so that was unique. The weather was darn near perfect. It was about 68 degrees on average where I lived. And um, of course you have the beach, um, which is 15 minutes away. And then we had mountains, which are a couple hours away. So you really had the best of all worlds at that time. Um, I know it's changed a lot just in 20 years. But. So when you were not doing businesses, what were you doing? Like, how, like would you play any sports? Would you go surf? I played football, um, baseball, wrestling, a little bit of tennis, some golf. But football was my main sport. I was, um, I guess you would call a hybrid. I, was, I wasn't a jock, per se. And I wasn't smart enough to be um, um, what we called nerds back then. I know that's a terrible thing to say, right? But, uh, so I was kind of in between, but I just loved football. My, my father was 6'3", 240. My great-grandfather was 6'6", and, and they were professional athletes. So. I thought I was going to be as big as them, so I, I tried to run people over, and at my size, it didn't work so well. So I, I learned to use my speed and um, run away from people, uh, and I was pretty good at that. So, so now you talk a lot about your uh, grandfather. Was he your biggest influence throughout your childhood and leading into your business decisions? He was. My, my father was a highway patrol officer. He rode motors. And um, he had kind of, talking about change of careers, he got in a horrible accident 
and his career in uh, uh, law enforcement was over um, much earlier than he wanted. He, he loved his profession. He just got a job working for Boeing as a security administrator. Um, and he doesn't even know how he got the job because he didn't have any of the degrees, and, but they liked him. And he ended up catching a Russian spy at Vandenberg Air Force Base. And so from that day forward, he became a um, black box operator um, in um, security. Um, and he would go to Saudi Arabia and Russia and China. And, and so my dad started having me spend more and more time with my grandparents to keep us safe. And, and my grandfather was... I, I I don't know how to describe him other than he was a genius and he owned businesses his entire life and so he got me to start understanding the benefits of running your own business and uh, capitalism was taught to me at a young age and so that was my biggest influence. So your grandfather worked as a black box? My father. Oh your father and what exactly is that? Um, he can't really tell me a whole lot, but uh, I can tell you he had a million-dollar hit on his life at one point, and, and so it was a bit dangerous, but he loved it. He was an expert in, in um, uh, hand-to-hand combat, and, and um, he loved fighting. I, I, I hate fighting, don't get me wrong, don't, so, but um, my father, he, he was just kind of a natural at that kind of stuff. And, He's six three two forty back then. He benched over four hundred pounds. So when he entered the room, it kind of demanded respect, and and so it was kind of fun to hear his stories that he would come home and tell me. I can't say most of them <laughs> on here, but um, needless to say, it, it it made me proud, and and it was a lot of fun to hear. So. so you talk about your junk business as well after your card painting business. When did that kick off and take place? Junk business took off, um, really took off when I was 16 years old, um, mostly because that's when I could drive. Um, I started it before that, but I had to get my grandfather to take me everywhere, and he got a little tired of that, I think. And But when I was 16, I got a truck. Um, it was a beat-up old truck that it didn't even have power steering or brakes, and um, so, but my first garage sale, just to give you an idea, I uh, made over $3,000 profit. And back then, that was a lot of money, especially for some of my age. And um, that's when I realized this could be a real business. I mean, it wasn't just something that was off the fly. And um, I'm sure you've heard of Storage Wars, that show. So I was going to um, storage auctions long before uh, it was popular. And and you'd be shocked at what you find in storage units. I mean, we would sometimes find three or four motorcycles that were worth $6,000 each. And so we would turn around and sell it at, you know, I buy the unit for 200 bucks and, and I'd turn around and make 20,000 bucks off of it. Now that didn't happen every day, obviously, or I'd, I probably wouldn't be here at Caldwell Community College, right? But um, it did happen from time to time. And um, government auctions are, are a lot of fun to go to, too. You can find really good buys. So I'm assuming that you you made a sale and you took that money and just turned it right into whatever the next investment or continued with that investment. 
but I was just curious. Like, do you remember the the first thing? Was it the penny stocks? The penny stock was my first investment ever. And you actually sold some to take and turn that into the next investment, the next venture? No, unfortunately, um, when the stock went up from pennies to $10 a share, my grandfather was telling me to sell. And you didn't sell any? I wouldn't sell. He even called my dad to force me to sell. And my dad says, no, it's his business. I'm going to let him do what he wants. My grandfather says, you're going to regret this one day. And and two months later, I regretted it. Uh, (laughs) uh, So I I lost everything. I I put a 1000 into that. But what I did is I took the money from the curb painting business and and then started buying things at garage sales. So did like how did you get the initial money to start the curb painting? My grandfather made everything for me for the curb painting, and then he took me to Ace Hardware and we bought supplies. And so the very first week he made me add up everything I earned. Uh, from it and then divided by how many curbs I did and then that told me how much it costs um, to do a curb which was a dollar back then and I was charging three dollars and fifty cents and so I knew my profit margin and then my grandfather forced me to take fifty percent of my profit margin and invest it Um, and and I couldn't touch those investments um, until I was 18. It's it's funny in a lot of these stories that we're hearing there's um and Jacob asked that question about like, was there a family member? Was there somebody in your life? And it seems that there's a lot of times, even the subtle help of a grandfather in this case that, you know, really hinges how somebody's life will end up, you know, what path they take. I had no idea, you know, when I was that young, the only thing I cared about was football. And um, it it was that influence of my grandfather turned everything. So you wanted to do like football, but did you ever see yourself becoming a big football star instead of doing businesses? I did when I was young because I thought I'd be as big as my my dad. And I remember telling my grandfather, someday I'm going to be the middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. And my grandfather said, son, if it wasn't for your lack of side speed, agility, you'd be perfect for that. Um, So it it didn't work out pretty much like he said. But I did love it. So now you said that you started your drunk business at 16, so pretty much the same age we are. At our age now, we're already looking at into colleges, into you know the big picture of life. Were you looking into any colleges then, or were you still just focused in high school? I was just focused on in high school. Um, I knew I was going to go to a community college for the purpose of saving some money, number one. But number two, in all honesty, I got, I thought a better education at our community college than I did at our state school and, and uh, instructors who really cared. And, and so that, I, I think, kind of brought me to teach at Caldwell is just that experience. So you are a very well, like, well-rounded investor. Now, were there any times when you did something and you invested in something bad, like you had any bad spending habits or anything like that? I didn't have any bad spending habits. Probably what I had, though, was, and I hate to admit it, I had the love for money. And back then, I just thought money was the only thing that mattered for the most part, um, which isn't the case at all. As you grow up, you you learn that. And, and as soon as I got married, I uh, my wife, 
then taught me the value of not only family but spending some money for enjoyment and so she balanced me out before that i was the i hate to admit it i was so cheap i'd go to a restaurant and i'd order hot um, water and i would put ketchup ask for ketchup and i put ketchup in it to make tomato soup and then i would get ice water and with extra lemon and i put sugar in it to make lemonade and then I'd leave a small tip. And, and um, so that's how cheap I was. And, and I guess it helped me build that seed capital that you need to invest. And so in a way it was good, but uh, again, as you grow, you, you get a little smarter and, and hopefully um, more mature. So. so you said that there was while at our age, there was nothing that really drove you to want to, you know, go to, go off to college. You more so saw the community college side of things. But what did push you to go to a bigger college, a more like, actual institution? It's a good question. I I asked my grandfather, you know, what should I do? Because I was thinking of just doing businesses by myself, and you can certainly make a fortune doing that. But my grandfather said, what happens if you know down the road you decide you're you're not as good as business as you thought i mean what what backup plan are you going to have and he grew up during the depression and if you didn't have a backup plan you didn't eat and so uh, he he said i think you should go to college but pick something that's going to help you in running business and and so i decided on accounting I knew I probably didn't want to be a CPA. I just wanted that information on how to look at financial um, statements and truly understand the value of it. And so that got me looking at it. Chico State had a very good accounting program and they were rated the number one party school in America back then by Playboy. I shouldn't say that on tape. And and so that didn't hurt either. Um, and I told my grandfather and he said, well, we, their accounting program is what you should be focusing on, right? So. so while you were in college, what would you say your mindset was? My mindset was to, uh, I didn't care about grades per se. What I cared about is what can I take from every class that will then um, relate to business. So how can I take what uh, the instructor is trying to teach us and then relate that to running my own business with it. And I think sometimes we, we overvalue grades and undervalue skills, right? And skill sets and what you can learn. And so that was, to me, what was most important. Were there any experiences during your time at um, Chico that really impacted who you are as a person and your professional career choice? Yes, I, um, I took a calculus class, and I was always good at math, but I'm, I'm not a good enough to be a math instructor, but I, I got a perfect grade in calculus, which I, I didn't, wasn't trying to do that. It's just something that fit, I fit in with, and so I got to know the um, professor really well, and he had me start tutoring some of his other students, and so we got talking, and then he started um, asking about investments because he knew I I, I um, invested a lot of money, and and so my first job out of college really was working for Lincoln Financial, 
And um, I think his asking me questions about investments kind of directed me towards that. Uh, I, it, it was a good feeling to feel like I was improving somebody's life with some um, knowledge. And um, so I think that's why I became a financial planner to begin with. Did your time at college seem more challenging or easier than you expected? Easier. Yeah, I um, I loved college. It was probably my best time of my life. And uh, just because you, you know, I went to a school where there was 3,000 residences and there was about 18,000 college kids. So we got to kind of rule the, the town a little bit and... And it made it fun, but but college always seemed somewhat easy to me. Were there any, like, parties and stuff that you went to? Because I know you said, like, it's a party school, and how did you manage between parties and your schoolwork and, like... Well, that was easy for me. I don't drink um, alcohol. I never liked drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So, But I did go to parties, and it was fun to watch. Uh, and... Uh, you meet a lot of people, but um, in all honesty, I had a lot of fun just watching some of the things they would do. And um, Back then, it was a lot different than it is today. Uh, they actually had a whole street they would block off by fire trucks, and you could pay five bucks and get a cup, and then each house had a pool full of different um, drinks, and you can help yourself. That's how crazy it was compared to today. And yeah, and I'm, they don't do that anymore there, of course, but um, it was a lot of fun. It, it, but um, in all seriousness, I, I would go out probably twice a month. Okay, I, so, I studied a lot. So you said that while you're in college, people would ask you about investing because they knew that you invested a lot of money. What business, like, while you were in college, did you have a business other than investing that you attended to? I um, sold Amway, of all things, which um, I wasn't planning on doing, but I lived in the dorms the first year, and everyone I saw everyone going and shopping, and the, about the only thing they bought was detergent for, for their laundry. And so I started selling Amway to every single person in the dorms, and I went to every single dorm, and I had a heck of a business just monthly distributing Amway detergent. And um, so that was one way of making some extra money. Do you think that you have, you mentioned that, I, I would have never put two and two together on noticing that somebody is buying detergent and then like, oh, I should sell these people detergent. So do you feel like that's something like you were just naturally have always had, or is that something like your grandfather taught you? Like, how is it that somebody in college isn't living that t stereotypical college life and is trying to figure out a way to make a dollar? I think it was a combination of both. I, th I think I probably inherited, inherited those genes from my grandfather because my mom and dad aren't like that at all. In fact, I asked my dad for a corporate bond for my birthday one year, and he said, who are you and what is a corporate bond? He said, so, but definitely my grandfather directing me in that direction. And I 
tell the students in our intro class, and I, I think you all remember that before you can start a business, there has to be an unmet need. There needs to be demand. And, and so I just looked at it and I saw, well, there's a demand, but they're all buying it at a grocery store and it costs a lot more than the Amway products. So that was the, the need and I just filled that need. And, and so it came naturally to me at that point. Um, but I think a lot of it came from my grandfather too. So after your college career, how did your whole experience with evolving from college into just adulthood in general, how did you go about that? I was very naive. Um, I grew up in a household where if you told somebody you were going to do something, you would do it every single time. And and honesty, I, I never lied in my life that I can remember um, up to that point. And so when I went into business, into financial planning, I started seeing a lot of unethical things that I, I just had no idea existed. And um, that's one th- reason why I left financial planning is I had friends making four times what I made because they would sell a, an annuity at 12% commission to a 75-year-old woman who couldn't touch it for 15 years. I would sell them a 1% commission product that was the best, and they can get to it right away. And, and so I got a little bit irritated with that um, industry because of it. And I even noticed companies telling me to sell a certain type of product when it wasn't the best product for for a person so um, that was the toughest part for me is going from from college to an adult I thought everyone grew up like me and that just wasn't the case so now you said that you sold those things to people what was your first actual like you worked for somebody worked under, under somebody and got a certain amount of money per week from somebody well, I worked for Lincoln Financial right out of college. They gave me a monthly stipend for uh, the first year. And um, so that was my first time of actually receiving an income uh, from somebody else and not making it my own. And and that was my first time of getting full-time benefits, which, you know, back then I didn't see the purpose of it as much as I do today. And, and um, so... Being self-employed is tough, and it's expensive. I'll give you an example. Because I'm disabled, and my wife's disabled, unfortunately, it costs us $1,700 a month for health insurance. And that's one reason why I'm working here is because the health costs. You know, And so it, it, that's kind of the difference between owning your own business and working for somebody else. So how did you find this business right out of college like how'd you find man i really want to do this or did you just go on like a job finding like place or i did a personality exam and selling insurance and financial planning was right at the top um we didn't have computers back then so i did the test by hand and, and it took a while to get the results and so I thought, you know, I love business, and this is part of business, and so that's kind of how I got involved with it. And just to tell you a funny story, um, the recruiter for Lincoln Financial, I can't remember his last name, but his first name was Paul, 
and he wore a three-piece suit and he, he came and he was a heck of a salesperson and he says Scott he says we want you real bad number one you got great grades but number two you have the experience and and by the way you never have to cold call he says you're gonna get your business because we're gonna give you leads from uh, businesses that we have and then you'll call on it and uh, you'll make appointments and he says we have a 98 percent uh, retention rate which was really good for that industry and and so the very first day we went for training the entire first day was cold calling and so I, I re- one guy raised his hand he said Paul I thought you said we weren't going to be cold calling that's all we've done our entire first day and he says well he says um, life is a little different when you get to the real world and about I would say 10 out of 17 guys got up and and left the room and then I raised my hand and I said, Paul, there goes your 98% retention <laughs> rate. So, uh, be careful when you, when you listen to salespeople, right? What made you stay with him even though he kind of misled you? Um, I enjoyed what I was doing and I was making good money. And then they asked me to move down to Ventura, California to head up their financial planning department down there. And that's where I um, started my, um, I was doing financial planning for them, but then I started my own financial planning business and did that for five years. Um, At that point, I decided I wanted to go get my MBA. And um, uh, honestly, I I worked so many hours um, in that business, I needed a break. So I I thought it'd be fun to actually go to the corporate side. And, And so I got my MBA and for that purpose. And I went to the corporate side and realized I didn't really like working for big companies uh, for the most part. And so I worked for uh, Litton Industries, a good company, a defense contractor, um, but they moved down to downtown LA. It was a two hour commute for me. And, and so I left that and went to work for PTI Technology. Loved it, probably would have been there still today, but uh, my mother-in-law, in North Carolina got Alzheimer's and my wife asked if if I'd be willing to move to North Carolina to help take care of her and so that's how we made it out here. So whenever you first made it out here what was your first like money maker whenever you got here? Obviously I'm assuming you still had your investments but what business took off whenever you got here? We lived on investments um, for about eight months or so because I moved back here just a couple months before 9-11 and um, I was interviewing with a consulting firm um, out of the towers uh, in New York and they had an office in Greensboro North Carolina and and I had three interviews and I was about ready to get an acceptance letter when unfortunately 9-11 happened and Never heard from them again. About 80% of their top executives, unfortunately, uh, died that day. And, and so I um, saw an ad in the newspaper for teaching financial literacy courses to people in Chapter 13 bankruptcy. And I thought, I'll, I'll go do the interview because um, I had enough knowledge for it. I didn't know if I would like it. And, and so I got the job. They offered it to me. And it was my job to go to three different cities in North Carolina 
to teach all of the financial literacy courses and I just fell in love with it and never thought I would uh, I was teaching adults but I was giving them information that they were begging for because no one wants to go bankrupt and when you go bankrupt one time you don't want to do it a second time and and so I really felt like that was probably my calling and I did that for 20 years until nine until the pandemic happened and they ended up shutting down the department and or I probably just would have continued with that um, in, until retirement so of all these careers that you've pursued what is the biggest lesson you think you've learned Probably the biggest thing is to expect um, turbulence in, in life and don't be afraid of it. Um, be proactive and realize that you can plan all you want in life, but things come up where you would least expect it. And never expected to move to North Carolina, right? But you do it for your loved ones. and. And um, I think maybe secondly is put your loved ones first for the most part. Don't put your career first. Um, and because I think the most important thing in life is, is family, friends, and I believe in God. You don't have to. But I think you should have probably a belief in something bigger than yourself. So speaking of loved ones, um, was your family supportive of all your career decisions? Um, my dad didn't like me selling um, financial services and insurance. He didn't think it was going to be the career for me, and I think he was right. Um, mostly because in his line of work, he saw the bad around the world, and he he thought you know my type of personality and me being naive I I think he thought that probably would be a tough career for me did you have any regrets with any decisions that you had you know through your whole career my biggest regret was when we moved to North Carolina building too big of a home um, we built I'm embarrassed to say an 8900 square foot home uh, my wife and I <laughs> We, we got caught up in this dream and it ended up being more like um, a nightmare. And so that's probably my only main regret. So what's the best advice you could give young people who are trying to figure out their careers and what paths they wanna take in their own lives? First off, I would try to figure out, do you have a passion about it, something? If you don't find one, I don't care what it is. It could be getting up in the morning. Yeah, but find a passion and, and then figure out step by step what do you have to do to go do your passion. You have to work somewhere, right? And so figure out what makes you happy. The money will usually come. Thank you to Dr. Scott Kahayan for joining us today. Today's episode was recorded on April 4th. This episode was produced by Maggie Helton, and it was hosted by Luke Roberts, also joined by Jacob Harmon and Alex Giles.